Hello, this is Aaron. Thank you for tuning in to the Church Discussions Podcast. I hope you're blessed and well. If this is your first time tuning in, I want to say thank you so much for listening. This is a resource for growth in your understanding of the scriptures. I encourage you to follow the Instagram for more content and feel free to share this podcast with your family and friends. So today I'm going to be teaching about the Holy Spirit. Now, first of all, I want to mention the Holy Spirit is not a force, a wind, or a dove. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is God. He is the third person in the Trinity. Now, I eventually want to do an episode on the Trinity, but really quickly, I just want to give a quick overview of what the Trinity is. The word Trinity describes God's triune nature. You see, God is one God, but he is made up of three persons. He is made up of God the Father, God the Son, which is Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, God is not three gods. He is only one God in three persons. So today I'm going to be focusing on the Holy Spirit and his role in the life of a Christian. So if you have your Bible, I encourage you to turn to the book of John, chapter 16. I'm going to be looking at verses 7 through 11. And I'll be reading out of the New American Standard Bible. I encourage you to take some notes, to write down the scriptures, research them. If you have any questions about any of the scriptures that I teach on here, feel free to write down some questions for me and then send me a a message after so that we can discuss it. This is the whole reason I've entitled this podcast Church Discussions is I'm hoping to initiate some conversations, some discussions about the topics that I present on this podcast. So once again, it's John chapter 16, verse 7 through 11, and it says, But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. And concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. So Jesus, in this passage of scripture, is speaking to his disciples. Now in the previous verses, in verses 1 through 6, he explains to them that they are going to be persecuted for believing in Christ. Then as we get on to verses 7 through 11, the verses that I just read, he begins to explain that the Holy Spirit will come. In verse 7, Jesus tells the disciples, he says, If I do not go away, the Helper, that's the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. Now, here's a question that I want to pose to you is, Why didn't the Holy Spirit come while Jesus was on earth with the disciples? In verse 7, it says, But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. Why? Why won't the helper come to them? Let me go ahead and just answer that question really quickly. The reason the Holy Spirit didn't come to them while Jesus was there on earth is because the primary role of the Holy Spirit is to emphasize the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So the Holy Spirit didn't go to them at that time because the death and the resurrection of Jesus hasn't happened yet. This is the very main purpose of the Holy Spirit, is to focus and emphasize the life, death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the gospel message. 
Now, I want you to understand that that the Holy Spirit's focus is always Jesus. It always point he always points to Jesus. I know that many times there are churches or worship gatherings where people are so focused on the Holy Spirit, especially during worship. But the Holy Spirit is always pointing to Jesus. John chapter 15, verse 26 affirms this as well. It says, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. That's Jesus speaking there. He's saying that the Holy Spirit is always going to testify about him. The Holy Spirit always points to Jesus. Now, let's go back to John chapter 16, verse 7 through 11, the verses that I read just a little while ago. Now, the verse 8, or I'm sorry, verse 7, it says, But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. Now, who is the helper? I've already mentioned it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who helps his people. Now, if you notice in verse 8, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as he. He uses the pronoun he. He doesn't say it will come. He says the Holy Spirit, he will come. You see, the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not an object. He's not a force or a wind. I know that's the common misconception that many Christians have is he's this type of substance or, or force or wind in the atmosphere. But the Holy Spirit is a person. He's the third person in the Godhead. Now, in verse 8, it says, And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Now, what does that word convict mean? I want to make sure that you have an understanding of this word convict. Now, many times when we use the word convict or conviction, we refer to, that, refer to the word conviction as a feeling, as a guilty feeling that we have. Let's say, you know, we feel bad about something. We say we feel convicted about it. Now, in this passage of Scripture, when it says the Holy Spirit will convict of sin, he's basically saying that the Holy Spirit is going to prove to be guilty or the Holy Spirit is going to prove something. He's going to give a final verdict about something. So in this passage of Scripture, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will convict the world of three main things. He says the first thing is sin, the second thing is righteousness, and the third thing is judgment. Now, I'm going to take some time to explain these three things. I believe this is important to us understanding the Holy Spirit and His role when it comes to convicting the world. Now, obviously, the world is a sinful place. And the main task of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world of sin. That's the very first thing that Jesus points out. Now, what does he mean by convicting the world of sin? In verse 9, it talks about the sin of unbelief. Now, let me ask you the question, what is the worst sin of all? I know the common response to this might be murder or rape, or, or theft, or something along those lines. But the very worst sin of all is the sin of unbelief. It's the sin of not believing in Jesus Christ. If a person has faith and believes in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, then all other sins will, will eventually be forgiven. You see, the sin of unbelief damns a person completely. 
Let's say a person believes in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and they come to repentance. Eventually, the Holy Spirit will work in that person to change every area of that person's life. But the very first thing that they should have within themselves is belief. If a person doesn't believe in Jesus, then they, they can't be saved. It's impossible to be saved. So when the scripture in verse 9 talks about how the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin, it's saying that it's going to prove to the world that their unbelief will condemn them. So that's what it means when it talks about the sin of unbelief. The second part is it says that he will convict the world of righteousness. Now, what does that mean? That means that he'll show the world that there is a standard of right and wrong. The Holy Spirit makes clear to the world that Jesus is the only righteous one. He is the only standard of righteousness. You see, the thing about the world is the world tries to recreate or distort what is right and wrong. They try to create their own standard of morality. They try to create their own way of right and wrong. When the Holy Spirit points to Jesus and reveals to the world that there, there already is a standard of right and wrong. And Jesus has set that standard of righteousness. Then finally, the last part of that scripture, it says that the Holy Spirit will convict the world when it comes to judgment. Now, this particular part of the scripture, Jesus is speaking about judgment when it comes to Satan, when it comes to the, to the devil. If you take a look at that last verse in our passage of Scripture, let's go ahead and read it. It's, it's verse 11, and it says, Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. Now, who's the ruler of this world? If you do a study of that Scripture, the ruler of this world is the devil. The devil is the one who is the chief of, of this world. Now, when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, when he resurrected, he defeated the devil, he conquered the devil, and the devil was judged, he was condemned. So, when Jesus resurrected, he showed the world that Satan lost. So, those are the three main things when it comes to this passage of Scripture. The Holy Spirit is going to convict the world of sin. He's going to convict the world when it comes to righteousness and he's going to convict the world when it comes to judgment. What does that mean exactly? I want to just re-explain that in a different way. So what the Holy Spirit is going to do is he's going to make clear to the world that we are all sinful. He's going to show the world that there is righteousness and it's only in Jesus Christ. And he's going to show the world that there is judgment upon us if we do not accept Jesus Christ, if we don't accept the righteousness of Christ. So the Holy Spirit, in a nutshell, these three things cover the gospel message. You see, if we are preaching the gospel message, we are aligned with what the Holy Spirit is saying to the world. The Holy Spirit is making clear to everyone that man is sinful, Jesus is righteous, and without Jesus, we receive judgment and we are condemned. This is what the Holy Spirit speaks to the world about. Okay, so allow me to just move on. Okay, the Holy Spirit is the one who causes us to be born again. 
He is the one who initiates salvation in the life of a person. Now, I believe that the scriptures are clear on this. Um, I want to just mention, if you disagree with this, or maybe you have a different perspective or a different point of view, just feel free to message me. I would love to have a discussion with you about this. Or even if you disagree with anything that I teach on this podcast, just feel free to message me. I would love to just have a discussion with you. But as I mentioned in a previous episode, every person, when they are saved, every Christian goes through three things as a Christian. The first thing is justification. That's the moment that you are saved. That's the very moment that you are justified. You were made right with God. The second thing is sanctification. And then the third thing is glorification. Now, let's focus on justification really quickly. The Holy Spirit is the one who initiates justification within a person. The Holy Spirit is the one who causes us to get saved. Let's take a look at John chapter 3, verses 6 through 8. I've read the scripture in a previous episode. This is the story of Nicodemus and Jesus. Once again, it's John chapter 3, verses 6 through 8. It says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but you, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. So that's Jesus speaking to Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a ruler. He was a, a, a Pharisee at the time. And Jesus is telling Nicodemus, he's saying that every person is physically born from their parents, but in order to go to heaven, in order to be saved, every person needs to be born by the Holy Spirit. This scripture here alone makes it clear that the Holy Spirit is the one who causes us to get saved. He's the one who causes us to be born again. Jesus makes it clear that we cannot enter heaven without being born again. So in verse 8, he says, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. What Jesus is saying there in that verse is he's saying the same way you can't see the wind outside, but you see the effects of the wind. It's the same thing when a person is born again, when a person gets saved. You really don't know exactly when it happens or how it happens, but you do eventually begin to see the results of it. So Jesus is making it clear. He's saying the Holy Spirit goes to a person, brings them to life so that they may be saved. He, uh, a lot of theologians use the word regenerate. So the Holy Spirit comes to a person and regenerates us. He causes us to be born again. Now, Titus chapter 3 verse 5 says, He saved us not on the basis of deeds, which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. You see, that word regeneration just means to be brought to life. It means to be born again. So he's saying that we are brought to life by the Holy Spirit. That's how we are re regenerated, by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to us, he renews us and brings us to life. The same way that Jesus spoke to Lazarus, and he said, Lazarus, rise. That is the same way the Holy Spirit comes to us. And this is the same way that we are saved. We are justified. This is the beginning process of justification. 
Now, how does the Holy Spirit do this? How is a person born again? How does the Holy Spirit regenerate or bring a person to life? First Peter chapter 1, verse 23, it says, For you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. You see, the word of God is what causes the Holy Spirit to, to bring us to life, to regenerate us. You see, when the, Holy, when, when the word is being preached, the Holy Spirit uses the word to cause a person to be born again. This is how a person is truly saved, by the preaching of the word of God, by the hearing of the word of God. This is, the, this is how the Holy Spirit causes a person to be saved, causes a person to come to life through the, through the word. John chapter 15 verse 26 refers to the Holy Spirit as the spirit of truth. Now, what truth? He's talking about the word. The word of God is the truth. So the Holy Spirit is focused on the truth of the word and he's focused on Jesus. Those are the two main things that the Holy Spirit is focused on. His goal is to illuminate the word of God in our hearts, in which as a result will cause us to be born again. Now, this is how we are saved. It's through the Word of God, through the Holy Spirit, using the Word of God to bring us to life. Now, I'm a testimony to this. This scripture is evident in my life. I remember the first couple of months attending my church and hearing the Word of God preached. And something within me came to life. And I remember I just, I had this desire to know God. But I remember prior to that, when I would attend church with my parents. I remember going to a church out where we used to live and I hated being in that church. I wanted nothing to do with church. I understood nothing that was preached in that church. I understood nothing at all when it came to God or the Bible. But you see, when I started attending my church, that the church that I currently attend, the first couple of months of attending our church, through the preaching of the word, I was born again. The Holy Spirit used the word of God to bring me to life, and I was saved. I was born again. I was regenerate. Now, the second thing that takes place in the life of a believer after justification is sanctification. Now, what is sanctification? It is a process of making us holy, of changing us to live and speak and reflect the life of Jesus. It's a process of setting us apart for God's purpose, for a holy purpose. If there is no evidence of sanctification in your life, then it's likely that there was no justification in your life. That means if there is no change in your life in the direction of righteousness and holiness, then it's likely that you were never born again. It's likely that you were never saved. Okay, now I want to make it clear to you that there is two types of sanctification that the scriptures imply. There is positional sanctification and there is progressive sanctification. Positional sanctification is synonymous to justification. It's the same thing as justification. If we are positionally sanctified, that means that we are set apart, that we are made holy already. That because of our position in Christ, when the Father sees us, He sees the righteousness and the holiness of Christ because we are covered in Christ's righteousness. So that's what positional sanctification is. 
Now, progressive sanctification is this ongoing process of making us holy, of changing us to fit the image of Jesus. So I'm going to focus on progressive sanctification here in the next few minutes. So let's take a look at this scripture here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. It says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. So in this scripture, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. The scripture is saying that we are being transformed into the image of Jesus from glory to glory. That means as time goes on, we are progressively being changed by the Holy Spirit as time goes on. Uh, the writer of Hebrews talks about sanctification as well. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, it says, Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. You see, as I mentioned, sanctification should be your goal as a Christian. We should desire sanctification. We should pursue it. What does that mean to desire sanctification? That means that we should... We should progressively work toward righteousness, toward holiness, since it's pleasing to the Lord. As the scripture in Hebrews says, it says, which no one will see the Lord without sanctification. So once again, I want to make it clear to you that sanctification is the result of justification. If there is no, if there is no sanctification taking place in your life, then it's likely that justification never took place in your life. Okay, now John chapter 17 verse 17 says, Sanctify them in the truth, your word is truth. This is Jesus, he's speaking to the Father in prayer. And he makes it clear that the word of God sanctifies us. It's the word of God that makes us holy, that transforms us, that changes us to fit the image of Jesus. Now this scripture here in John 17, 17 talks about sanctification, but I believe that this scripture makes it clear that that there was two types of sanctification. The two types that I had already mentioned, positional sanctification and progressive sanctification. So Jesus makes it clear that the world, that the word, excuse me, is what sanctifies us, but it also sanctifies, sanctifies us progressively as time goes on. So the word is what causes us to be born again, but it also causes us to change to fit the image of Jesus. Now, in a previous episode, I talked about these two terms, monergistic and synergistic. And I want to just encourage you once again to go back and research these two words, because I believe that they are important in understanding justification and sanctification. I talked about how salvation, how justification is a work of God alone. It's monergistic. It's not synergistic. The word monergistic means to work something by yourself, to work alone. Synergistic means to work together with some, somebody else or something else. It's cooperative. So I believe that the scripture teaches that salvation is monergistic. It's only a work of God in the life of a person. But I believe that progressive sanctification is synergistic. It takes our cooperation with the Holy Spirit. It takes our yielding and submitting to the Holy Spirit. As we are sanctified, we are to yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit. 
So I want to make that clear to you that as soon as you get saved, the Holy Spirit is the one who, who saves us. He's the one who regenerates us. And after he saves us, he never leaves you. After you receive him, you never lose the Holy Spirit. You cannot do anything that will cause him to leave you. The scriptures are clear on that. Now let's take a look at another scripture here. Galatians chapter 3 verses 2 and 3. And it says, This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? So really quickly on this passage of Scripture, I want to give you some background and context. Paul is writing to the churches in Galatia. There are several issues that are happening here in the churches. Uh, there was a group of people called the Judaizers. I encourage you to go back and research Galatians. But basically what Paul is saying here, he's making it clear that, that the Galatians, they were saved by the Spirit. They started by the Spirit. In, that, in verse 2 it says, I want to find out from you, did you receive the Holy Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? He's making it clear that when we get saved, we receive the Holy Spirit just by believing in faith. We don't receive the Holy Spirit by works. Now, in the churches there in Galatia, there was a group of people that were telling the Galatians that they, they had to listen and obey the law of Moses. They had to be circumcised and they had to follow the Old Testament rituals and traditions in order to be saved. What Paul is saying is he's saying, look, you started off on the right track by the Holy Spirit, but now what you're trying to do is you're trying to follow external legalistic rules and traditions. So by this scripture, it makes it clear to us that it's possible for us to start off on the right track by, by receiving the Holy Spirit, but eventually we can fall into this trap of legalistic, ritual, ritualistic Christianity. It's possible for us to live a lifestyle of just following the external rules and rituals as opposed to living lives that are submitted to the Holy Spirit that is within us. You see, when we get saved, we receive the Holy Spirit. And the scriptures are clear that sanctification is this ongoing process of the Holy Spirit within us, leading us and guiding us and directing us and helping us. So we are to submit and yield ourselves to this internal voice. It's not about following these external religious rules or rituals. Then that leads us to become legalistic. So once again, Paul is speaking to the Galatians, and he's telling them that they started off correctly by the Spirit, but eventually they thought their salvation was based on external religious rules and legalism. Paul was correcting that. So once again, it's possible to be filled with the Spirit, then live a life that is not led by the Spirit. You see, there's two ways that we are not yielding to the Spirit. By intentionally engaging in sin, that's one way. Another way is following an external religious and legalistic lifestyle. This was the issue with the Pharisees. You see, on the external, the Pharisees were all about the rules, the rituals, and the legalism. But... On the inner part, on the inner man, they were not connected to God. So we should never be about the external rules and rituals. I want to give you an example of this. You see, in my life, I remember when I first, I first was born again. And I remember 
coming to a point where I was telling people not to listen to secular music or I was telling people not to watch secular movies. And what I was doing is I was putting legal rules on people, on the external. I I was coming across like I was telling people that if they're listening to secular music, they're not saved, that they need to stop listening to secular music in order to be saved. And this was a wrong mentality that I had in the first couple of years of, of me serving the Lord. So we have to understand that we are to yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit that is within us. It's not about external, external rules or rituals or telling people the do's and don'ts of Christianity. It's about us following the conviction of the Holy Spirit that is within us. Now, once again, there's two things. There's us willingly sinning and then there was us following a legalistic mentality. Now, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 talks about not grieving the Holy Spirit. Let's go ahead and read that scripture. Once again, it's Ephesians chapter 3, verse 30. This is the NASB version. It says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now, there's two things I want to point out here in the scripture. The first part of it says, Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. We can cause the Holy Spirit grief. Now, how do we grieve the Holy Spirit? The primary way that we grieve the Holy Spirit is not yielding to the Holy Spirit, is by willfully sinning. Sin within our hearts can cause the the Holy Spirit to be grieved. Many times the Holy Spirit will be speaking to us to go in a certain direction, to do a certain thing, to yield to His Word. And many times we neglect the Spirit, we don't yield ourselves to the Spirit, and it causes the Spirit to be grieved. Now the second part of that scripture says, By whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now, if you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will never leave you. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit. That means that God has placed His stamp upon you. He has sealed you with His Spirit. You are confirmed to be God, God's child forever. And the Holy Spirit is proof of that. There is no such thing as a Christian that, who doesn't have the Holy Spirit inside of them. If you are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, and the Holy Spirit will never leave you and never forsake you. So there's two main things there. That scripture in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 talks about grieving the Holy Spirit. That means making griefs to the Holy Spirit. And the second part of that verse talks about how we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so it's important for us to yield ourselves and to submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit as He's working in us and through us. Let's take a look at one more passage of Scripture. It's very important for us to understand this. Let's take a look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17. This is the NASB version, and it says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, And the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another. So that you may not do the things that you please. Now this is Paul writing to the Galatians. And he's talking about how the Holy Spirit works. If you begin to read on further in in Galatians chapter 5 verses 22. He talks about the fruit of the spirit. What that means is he's saying that there is proof that somebody has the Holy Spirit. And he begins to list off the characteristics of that. Now, in this particular verse, verse 16, he says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. You see, when you 
get saved, God puts his Holy Spirit in you. But we are still, we still have this flesh that we are living in. So the scripture is making it clear that the flesh and the Holy Spirit are at war against each other within us. The flesh will always desire evil things. It'll always have a sinful nature. So the flesh is going to pull us away from anything that is godly, anything that is spiritual. But the Holy Spirit always desires to pull us toward God, toward Christ and toward his word. So I'll read that verse again. It says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh for the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. You see, the first part of that verse says, but I say, walk by the spirit. Now, how do we walk by the spirit? The way we walk by the Spirit is submitting ourselves and surrendering ourselves to the Spirit. That when the Spirit speaks to us from His Word, we are to submit ourselves to that. It's an effort that we make within ourselves. It's a decision that we make within ourselves to say, yes, I will listen to the Holy Spirit as He speaks to me through the Word of God. You see, the flesh is always going to pull you away from the things of God. This is evident all throughout many people. Many, many churches experience this. What happens is a person, what they do is they, they may raise their hand on a Sunday morning professing Christ. What they do is they're very excited because they've been born again at that service. Then by the time Wednesday comes, they have not spent any time in the word or in prayer or listening to the spirit of God. So by the time Wednesday or the next Sunday comes, the next service comes, that person has no desire for God or church. The reason for this is because their flesh has carried them away all week away from the things of God because the flesh does not desire what the spirit wants. The flesh is after sinful things. So what Paul is saying, he's saying walk by the spirit. Walk, he's saying walk according to what the spirit wants. Don't walk according to what your flesh wants. If we all walked according to what our flesh wants, we would all be walking in our sinful nature. So Paul is exhorting the churches there in Galatia to walk according to what the Holy Spirit desires. Now, I want to go ahead and just bring it to a close here. I hope you have a better understanding of the Holy Spirit now that we've read some scriptures. The Holy Spirit is doing a work in every Christian. Now, it's every Christian's responsibility to submit themselves to that work. As the Holy Spirit focuses on the gospel, on who Jesus is, on the word, we are to fill ourselves with those things. We are to consume ourselves with those three things and focus on those things as the Holy Spirit works in us. So I want to thank you so much for listening to this episode. I eventually want to do another episode on the Holy Spirit. This episode was not exhaustive in any way. So there's much more to talk about when it comes to the Holy Spirit. But that was just kind of an overview of the Holy Spirit. So I hope you were blessed today by this episode. Feel free to send me a message or any feedback. Thank you so much for listening today and God bless you.